Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 92 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz and MendingMedicine.com. Today we are talking with the wonderful Dr. David Bornstein about all things men and thyroid disease. Woohoo! That's like a crazy important topic. I mean, I think it, it rarely ever gets talked about. You know, there's so much of information on women and, and very little on men, so I'm super, super excited about this. Of course, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, you can very easily download and listen to them at your leisure. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, great for traffic, drives, running, you name it. Yep, when you when you got some time to yourself or even when you don't, just a great way to tune out the kids or or the or the excess noise. <laughs> Cuz it's like you always get to say, "Oh, no," and you wave your hand. I, I got my headphones on. And so then people like have to stop and you like just get to do whatever you want when you have headphones on or you just pretend like you don't hear them. So it's awesome. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Oh, terrible but funny. <laughs> Dr. David Bornstein obtained his medical degree from the Technion, is that how you say that? Faculty of Medicine in Haifa, Israel. See, he's going to have to pronounce that for me. And completed his internship at Staten Island University Hospital. He has completed residencies at University Hospital at Stony Brook, Westchester County Medical Center, and St. Charles Hospital and Rehabilitation Center. During the course of his career, he has attended numerous specialized training courses in order to expand the scope of his medical expertise. He is board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation, certified in medical acupuncture, and is a member of numerous professional societies. He's held many prestigious clinical appointments and positions in leading medical facilities. He has been published in the European Journal of Ultrasound and has been the chief investigator on a research project on spinal cord injuries. Very interesting. He has conducted mm-hmm. medical missions in North Korea, Ghana, Cuba, and other countries. He's world-traveled. After his residency, Dr. Bornstein was involved with an integrative medical center and became impressed by the effectiveness of the treatments that were offered there. The experience led him to incorporate integrative approaches, including prolotherapy and stem cell therapy into his medical practice. We're going to have to get a little bit more on that. Getting to know his patients, listening to them, and understanding the symptoms are the starting points for his medical treatment protocols. Fantastic. His areas of specialization do not exist in isolation. Patients are diagnosed and treated in an integrative manner to promote both the overall recovery and continuing good health. In his own words, his greatest feeling of accomplishment comes from helping people make real changes in their lives, especially after they've been through a difficult time. Oh, I like that. That is awesome, right? We are so incredibly excited to have him with us, and it looks like he is already here. So let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Good morning, Dr. Bornstein. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. That's quite the resume there. I mean, world traveled and medical acupuncture. I love that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Super interesting. I imagine you, you, we could like spend all day with you talking multiple topics. <laughs> That's great. Well, it is just fabulous that you're here to talk about men's health because I don't think that that's necessarily a, a topic, particularly in thyroid, that we hear a lot about. No, we don't. And the reason why is there's a number of reasons for that. Number one is hypothyroidism isn't as common in men as it is in women, primarily because the most common cause of thyroid conditions are Hashimoto's, and we know that autoimmune conditions are much more common in females than males. Also, men tend to hide their symptoms more. Just like men don't like to ask for directions, um, that's a very common complaint that women say about men, that we don't ask for directions. We also are a little bit more macho. We don't tend to want to go to the doctor as quick as, as women when we, have our, um, when we have complaints. In addition to that, many of the uh, complaints we have can be other, related to other things. For example, uh, we have um, issues, for example, um, we have issues to deal with, with men uh, more with, let's say, testosterone issues, which... There are many overlapping lapping symptoms, okay? 
So uh, we have to look more broadly in, in men sometimes and with women uh, when looking at some of these thyroid symptoms. So you're right. Um, I'm hoping that the um, more men will become aware of thyroid issues and start seeing doctors to treat it. So yeah. tell us real quick. Go ahead. Go Dan. ahead. No, I was just going to no, say, no. you know, it's such an important topic, and, and really people don't talk about it. It's not as common but it does happen, so we just can't discount it, right? No, you can't discount it. And, you know, we have to raise the awareness that thyroid conditions can happen in men as well as in women. So um, it's very important to get the word out there. And if men feel the same symptoms that women have when it comes to low thyroid, and the symptoms are numerous, fatigue, weight gain, hair loss, dry skin, constipation, and the uh, list goes on and on, go see someone. See an integrative doctor or someone who specializes in, in thyroid and, and try your best to, to treat the, the problems. So what are, you, you mentioned some of the, uh, of the symptoms. Are they really, you know, fairly similar to a woman, or do men normally experience uh, different symptoms, or are they pretty well the same across the board? Well, it's interesting. Um, most of my practice, about 80% of my practice are women, 20% are men, and there's certainly overlap. But I find a lot of men, for example, may have higher levels of TSH, for example, and have less symptoms. I had a gentleman this morning came in. He has a TSH of around 7.5. He has absolutely no symptoms. He doesn't have the fatigue, the weight gain, the hair loss. He's very fit. When I dug deeper, he's got high cholesterol. So I knew immediately if we treated his thyroid, we could probably get him off of his statin medication. So I find men don't have many times the symptoms as clear-cut as the woman, but they do have them. Also, there's some overdrive. Like I said, I mean, uh, fatigue, for example. Well, fatigue could be low thyroid. It could be low testosterone, okay? So one has to look at testosterone in men. It's very important we look at that because there's a lot of overlap with that. Also, many times men have a lot more issues with insulin, and they can't lose weight. So while thyroid is an important parameter in weight loss, we have to check their leptin, their insulin, and we find a lot of men have problems with this as well. So what are the most common symptoms that, that men complain about? You know, maybe, you know, obviously fatigue or, or um, not being able to lose weight, like you just mentioned, but is there some others that, that may not be uh, overlapping with women or, or what? Well, there, there are some overla- there's a lot of overlapping lapping symptoms, and a lot of the symptoms are the same. But men will complain more about their actual stamina. They'll come in and say, like, my stamina is not the same. Where the woman will come in, they, they'll, they'll give you the list. Like, boom. I got the right. fatigue. I got the weight gain. I got the hair loss. These people went on every Facebook page and, and website you can think of. Really <laughs> researched it very well. The guys are a lot more haphazard. You know, it's like, ah, my stamina is not the same. So, but the woman will come in and they, you know, to, they come in, give me the list. And I love it. I like that. You know, they, they, they did their research. They did their homework. Now, does iron also play a role in this, Dr. Bornstein? Because they, they don't normally lose iron like, like, I mean, is anemia something that's fairly common in men or not so much? And how does that play a role with the thyroid? Sig- significantly, significantly less of an issue when it comes to, um, to men than in women. All the women that come to see me, we check their ferritin and their, and their iron stores and in most cases, they're quite low, okay? In men, we don't see that as much. The main concern I have with the iron, obviously, is we need iron for hemoglobin production, but mainly in the thyroid conversion issues, when we're trying to, con- when patients can't convert their T4 to T3, we know that ferritin plays a very, very important role in that. So I usually see less conversion, thyroid conversion issues in men than I do in women, and one of that may be due to, to low iron. Hmm. So it's so very interesting. Do you see like the same amount of nutrient deficiencies like B12 and vitamin D or, or are those not so much an issue uh, with men? Oh, they are. They definitely are. We do see a lot of uh, low vitamin D and a lot of other micronutrients. We check every patient that comes in here. I don't think there's a huge significant difference. Iron would be probably the big exception to that. But a lot of men are out there are low in vitamin D and are low in magnesium. And this is where we treat the patients the same. We need to make sure that they 
um, get their their nutrients and their vitamins and minerals so the body can be uh, at optimal performance. I think the main difference between men and women is, is realizing the situation and saying, here, I got a problem, let me go run to the doctor, okay? That's, that's one of the main issues that we find. And, yeah, there are some things like iron that we don't see uh, as low in, in men as we do uh, in women. But most of the others, definitely we see, we see issues with both. Wow. And how about, uh, like, testosterone? Does testosterone usually run low uh, with men with thyroid issues? I mean, is that kind of a, um, something that you normally see? We do see a lot of men. Many of them have low testosterone, but it gets a little bit more complicated. Let's say a person comes in with hair loss, okay? With a female, we're looking more, usually, they have low thyroid, low iron. Um, usually they're not getting the, the male pattern baldness, although there are exceptions to that. With the man, we have to make sure not only is his thyroid and iron okay, but many men have problems with DHT. So let me explain to you what I mean by that. Testosterone breaks down or converts into two separate um, hormones. It can go to estradiol. It can go to DHT. DHT is a uh, metabolite of testosterone found in the hair follicles, found in the prostate. So we have to also look into that as well for a male who has hair loss. That's very important. It's a, it's a very important piece of the puzzle. I want to throw in really quick, um, Dr. Bornstein, um, my husband, I told him I was going to throw him under the bus today, so he's all prepared. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have hair loss at all. He does have fatigue and, of course, energy and the word stamina, although since he's lives with me he doesn't use that word you know he uses all my terms but he just recently um started getting really cold hands now of course we live in Colorado Springs and he didn't have that symptom when we lived in Costa Rica but this is like stone cold like he wants to walk around the house with gloves on like I make him warm them up in the sink and they get cold again and I was like babe maybe it's your thyroid I mean seriously Absolutely. I mean, there's a number of different issues when you have um, problems with uh, vascular supply to the extremities. But certainly thyroid uh, disease or hypothyroidism is on the differential diagnosis of things you have to evaluate. So have him check his, his thyroid using the proper parameters, checking the TSH, the free T4, or the free T3, the reverse T3. Also, I would check his thyroid antibodies. Yes, men can get Hashimoto's. It's not as common, but it's definitely there. So uh, have this all evaluated and see. I mean, it could very, be, very easily be a thyroid issue. It could also be a vascular issue. Uh, but the thyroid is definitely in that differential diagnosis that should be evaluated. Okay. I'll tell him. Don't worry. I've already told him, but I'm going <laughs> to tell him that you said so. So it's all different when it comes from the doc, right? <laughs> I have a question for you, Dr. Bornstein. You're the first person for, for me to just genuinely dive into this question. Is there a relationship between the thyroid or hypothyroidism and prostate problems, the prostate cancer? I heard yeah. you mention the prostate earlier. so Well, not necessarily a direct connection, but there may be some indirect, indirect um, relationship. Remember, we're always looking for that, you know, Low thyroid causes hair loss. Low thyroid causes weight gain. But there may be other things. For example, high insulin levels of a patient may cause thyroid issues, which can cause other issues down. So there's a lot of relationship between the hormones. We want our hormones to be that of a symphony orchestra, everything nice in tune, not too little, not too much. But to answer your question directly, usually if there's an issue with the, with the prostate, Thyroid is not the first thing that I think of. I'm going to think of other hormonal issues like testosterone, other hormonal issues like DHT. But then we have to look at other parameters too, like vitamin D and insulin, which can also affect the testosterone levels, which can then affect the prostate. So you see how it may not be a direct link, but if you look down the line, there may be some link to the More problem. More like a domino effect. Yeah. Down the line, yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right. Well, we have some other questions for you that kind of run outside. Tell us a little bit about um, 
I would love to know how you got into medicine. Was it just a love from childhood? Did you have family members that were ill? We always ask people, what, what drives you? Mean you mean how, how I got into medicine or integrated Absolutely. medicine? Absolutely. Well, I got maybe both. both. No, regular medicine is easy. I have a Jewish mother, so I mean, you know, that's 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 a, that's a that's a straight answer for that. But um, straight answer. But to answer the integrative medicine question, that's actually a little bit more complex. When I went to medical school, I was taught the standard Orthodox medicine. Okay, even though I did have an interest. But you don't want to express that interest, at least in medical school when I went to in the I went to medical school in the nineties. There was a much less awareness of integrative medicine. It's better now, but it's still it's still not as widely accepted as I'd like it to be. So you don't really want to talk about integrative medicine in front of your professors because they'll they'll shoot you down, they'll laugh you down, they'll you know that's the last thing you want to do. And as as a medical student, you're not in a very powerful position. As an intern or even a resident, again, you're not in a very um, positive position. As I went through my residency and I gained, you know, years in the residency, I was lucky my residency director was a lot more open to integrative techniques and, and integrative treatments than some others, so I felt a little bit more comfortable um, pursuing them and learning about them. Then when I started my own practice, I decided to take more courses and, and more training sessions. I incorporated a lot of what I learned into my practice and after doing this for a couple of years, you're going to courses every couple of months, you're doing online courses, you're reading, you finally become very well versed in integrative medicine. And people are coming to you with all these different problems that no one can figure out. And here you are figuring them out and helping them, and they tell their friends and so on and so forth. I, and I'm sure every integrative doctor will tell you this. Their patients went to the top doctor at UNAID, you name the university, you know, is it John Hopkins or Columbia or you name the place, and the top guy can't figure it out, and then you come in and do your thing, and voila, the patient's a lot better. So uh, that is so true, and we hear that all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody <laughs> is going to no. dig deeper. Yeah. So tell us how you became involved with stem cells. And it's kind of off topic of men's health, but what what are you seeing that is just amazing you and you're like, the world has to know about this regarding stem cells? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about the stem cells because this is something that's really exciting. I got involved in stem cells because a lot of my practice is I'm a, I'm a rehab doctor. I'm trained in physical medicine rehabilitation. So I like to do a lot of non-operative techniques for fixing joints. I learned a technique, actually my residency program, and later known as prolotherapy. That was the most primitive, earliest form of what we call regenerative medicine, rebuilding tissue. And the, the solution was very simple. We take a little sugar water, dextrose, mix it with lidocaine, maybe some other substances, inject it into the joints and the ligaments around the joints. And we do this every three to four weeks. And what happens is pain goes away. And how it works is it rebuilds ligaments, and the, the, the injections cause connective tissue to come, connective tissue matures, tightens, and after a while you rebuild the, the ligaments and the pain goes away. They came out with more advanced techniques using blood, known as platelet-rich plasma, where you, you use platelets as your growth factor. And a natural extension now is stem cells. So we actually take the um, – I use, I use fat, and I extract fat using a liposuction procedure, and I do that for a lot of orthopedic procedures. However, with stem cells, we can also treat a number of other different diseases. We can treat a lot of orthopedic diseases, but we can also work on a lot of autoimmune diseases. Stem cells work very well for autoimmune diseases. I, I do a lot of Crohn's patients, and the Crohn's patients love me. You know what it is? You know, um, I get a phone call four or five days later from the patient saying that they have the first solid bowel movement in, you know, who knows how long. And they're excited, right. and they're like the happiest people in the world, and you've changed their life. It also works very well for lupus. It works very well for the Hashimoto's uh, as well, more of the stubborn cases. It works quite well. So this is very exciting. This is all investigational at this point. We can certainly 
treat patients, but it's still considered investigational, which means your insurances are not going to pay for it. That's probably, you know, they don't pay for for Tylenol these days, I think. Right. But um, <laughs> but this is this is really exciting stuff, and I think the potential for treating all different types of diseases is enormous. I mean, we use this now for some of our patients with uh, COPD, emphysema, some of the neurological diseases, even ALS. Now, unfortunately, the success rates in some of these diseases are much lower than they are for the orthopedic or the autoimmune diseases. But all that means is we've got to just figure out how to make it better and better, and that's what we're doing. And I'm hoping, you know, in a few years we're going to be able to improve in the lifespan of people with ALS and help people with MS and help people with uh, heart failure and cardiomyopathy. So stem cells, there's not going to be a field in medicine that is not going to be affected by the use of stem cell technology. Really exciting time to be a doctor. Yeah, totally. We uh, I can't remember who we who we talked to. Um, I believe it was Mary, Mary Shulman, that was talking about uh, people who's had their thyroid removed and talking about regeneration of thyroid tissue. And uh, that was just something that we'd never heard before, and we were just like, that's amazing. I mean, to be able to to do that kind of stuff for for certain patients would just be, you know. Um, I have a friend with Crohn's disease, and you talk about having a single solid bowel movement, how most people just take that so for granted, but for a, a Crohn's patient, that's an enormous task. That would be not having to be concerned about that all the time would be life-changing. It would be. Something it so simple, be. right? I mean, yeah. you Absolutely. take it for granted. It's kind of sad. I mean, how many people take that for granted? I always, I always, you know, tell people that's one thing. I'm so incredibly well, grateful for that, and I excite, sleep. One of the things that excites me about the stem cells are, is that it's a non-toxic treatment. A lot of the treatments for autoimmune diseases are pretty toxic, and I'd rather we use non-toxic uh, treatments for treating our patients than using toxic treatments. So this is uh, another positive for treating. Uh, for the use of stem and, cell therapies. And by toxic um, treatments, do you mind sharing what you're thinking? Because I know that you're a, a proponent for LDN, correct? Yes, absolutely. So that's on your okay approved Dr. Bornstein list. Yeah, that's on a thousand percent <laughs> approved Dr. Bornstein list. <laughs> when does that apply for your patients, Dr. Bornstein? At what point does LDN come into the discussion, uh, whether men or women, or or is there a difference between the two of them? But when does well, that come talk, into the discussion? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about the LDN. I'll keep my focus narrow to thyroid and thyroid issues, but if you want, I'm more Perfect. than happy to expand to anything you want. I don't like to use LDN as my first, I guess, my first treatment for treating Hashimoto's or Graves. Um, what I'd like to do is, is do our best to fix the concurrent issues that could be causing this. For example, cleaning up your gut, cleaning up your diet, taking some some supplements to improve the uh, the Hashimoto's. If we're you know looking for viruses or parasites or bacteria that could be causing uh, contributing to the leaky gut, so like we said in functional medicine, integrative medicine, look for the root cause. If we cannot fix the problem that way, then LDN is a very very good option. It is inexpensive, it has minimal side effects, and it works. So I think that it's a very viable option. That being said, coming from the mentality of let's fix the root cause, I'd rather try doing that first. But for those who maybe are not going to be 100% gluten-free and may want to cheat a little bit and may not be fully compliant, LDN would definitely be an option to take to improve um, Hashimoto's and reducing thyroid numbers. So it works very, very well. And we can do that with both Hashimoto's and even with Graves' disease when it comes to autoimmune. Now, if you want to expand that to some other issues, I use LDN for <clears throat> numerous autoimmune diseases. I've used it for Crohn's with great success, MS with very good success, Parkinson's. It works really well. Um, we use it a lot to manage help with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. And these are very complicated things, so anything you can do for these patients work very well. Many patients with various different cancers ask me 
to put them on LDN, and we certainly do that for them. Um, so I think LDN is a very versatile tool and a very powerful tool for us to use to treat uh, autoimmune diseases and other disorders um, in a non-toxic, inexpensive way. Good. Now, to, jumping backwards a little bit, you had mentioned, you know, of course, 20% men, 80% women. Um, but you mentioned something really quickly that I wanted to jump on without interrupting you. You said Hashimoto's is not as common in men. Did I hear you correctly? That is correct. And the simple reason is very simple. Men don't tend to get autoimmune diseases at the same rate as women get. Wow. Okay, so if they don't, if the if the origin is not normally Hashimoto's, are there? It would be a lot of times their hypothyroidism would be something that would be correctable. Correct. Well, yes. I mean, usually with men, you have to think of thyroid atrophy. It could be heavy metals. So it could be a number of different things. The thyroid just gets smaller. Output goes down. So with women, you're going to have the same issues, except, you know, you're going to have these uh, Hashimoto's. I call them like friendly fire, fire, you know, (laughs) your own body like blowing it up. Right. (laughs) Is there anything as far as root causes that you see more common in men? You know, uh, is it parasites or, or, you know, obviously gut issues are huge with anybody with hypothyroidism? Well, I think the issue more with, um, with men are just a, just a low level of, of thyroid. And, yes, we do see a lot of people with, with heavy metals. I think we see that across the board. Just with men, we don't see as much Hashimoto's. I mean, men can have it, but we just don't see it as, as, as much. It's not as, as not At least as in common. my practice. I mean, I mean, maybe other people, they see it more. I'm, But at least in my practice, we don't tend to see the Hashimoto's being uh, the cause. Women definitely have a lot more autoimmune, so we expect to see that. Now, this may sound terribly silly, but at what point do you just, you rule out Hashimoto's? Is it just a a simple negative, you know, of the TPO, TJB, or is it a couple Mm -hmm. times that you have to see that negative? At what point do you say, this is not the issue for you? Well, we always check the antibodies, and we recheck it to make sure. On um, my patients, I like to do a baseline thyroid ultrasound. So, if there's any Hashimoto's and it's causing inflammation of the thyroid, you're going to see that on ultrasound. So, if you have a negative ultrasound, you got negative antibodies coming a few times. That's a very good indication that you probably don't have Hashimoto's probably at this have, time. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not going to come out in a year or two later. It could right, still right, right. Be, come out, you know, as any autoimmune disease can. Gotcha. Yeah, it's crazy that, you know, it's, it seems so simple that a thyroid ultrasound be part of that whole system. But it's not. You know, I mean, there's so many people that have had, you know, 20 years of thyroid disease and they've never had an ultrasound. You're like, what? Yeah, you know? that ha- it happens all the time here. I ask the patients for thyroid ultrasounds. They never got it. So let me, I, let me order it for you. I know, and to me it's well, so crazy you, because I was I was diagnosed while living in Costa Rica with Hashimoto's and, you know, with my labs and with an in-office ultrasound. I mean, we did one, and then he did another one while I was in the office. So, I mean, wow. for for people to have such a hard time getting diagnosed and all that stuff, and, and of course in Costa Rica, you know, I, I had a lot of issues, but I did have those things going for me, and it's amazing. And some people say, go so long right without them. Yeah, but they'll do an ultrasound. Right. <laughs> I know. You know what? Most I've never had a, a patient have an issue with insurance with a thyroid ultrasound. It's non-painful. It's easy to do. It's you know shouldn't be a problem. Right, and it's kind of one of those uh, no-brainers with a thyroid problem. You would think. Right. I, I love that. I mean, that sounds so silly, but all right, Doctor Bornstein, give us the mandatory rundown of lab tests for men with for thyroid men. disease. What if oh, they wow. walk in, thyroid's part of your, part, you look at them and you go, well, we need to run that one. What is the <laughs> minimum, what, are, what testing for Dr. Bornstein, I don't even want to say minimum, what gets tested? A man walks in, potential thyroid issues. All right, well, I'm a vampire, so I take a lot of blood from my patients. Do it. <laughs> oh, I'm like Be a vampire. vampire, we love vampires. Well, you know, I, you know, my patients go to the lab and they they pull out the lab slips and like every, you know, lab center they know me. They say, "Oh, we know this guy." <laughs> I, got a, I have a reputation for being a vampire. Let's I talk about it. the let's talk about the thyroid panel. Every patient that comes into me for thyroid disease gets a TSH, 
free T4, free T3, reverse T3, thyroid antibodies, and regular T3 and T4 for the thyroid, okay? We also order vitamin Ds and your CBCs. We take a morning cortisol level. Many times we'll also add a saliva test depending on the patient's ability to afford it. We'll check their DHEA, your ferritin. I also, especially with men, there's a lot of cardiac issues, so I do a very high-profile cardiac profile. We look at all the different risk factors for cardiac disease, for example, fibrinogen and um, these markers, cardiac markers. So we do about 25 to 30 cardiac markers. We check their inflammation, their C-reactive protein. We check their insulin, hemoglobin A1C, to make sure, and their glucose levels to make sure their blood sugar is okay. We do a food allergy panel on them. We check the MTHFR. That's like the big, G, the big thing now in integrative medicine. Everyone's Googling that, right? So MTHFR <laughs> is very big and checking their homocysteine levels, okay? There are some better tests than homocysteine, but unfortunately in my state, New York, we can't do them, okay? Um, leptin level. You'd be surprised how leptin is elevated in, in people when you check them. We check their B12, folic, folic acid. We do a complete micronucleate profile, all your B vitamins, magnesium, coenzyme Q10, chromium, um, vitamin C, vitamin E, fatty acids. Okay? I also do a complete adrenal panel. I check their ACTH, aldosterone, their morning cortisols, DHEA. Many of our patients have gut issues, and we know gut's very important to health. I check them all for H. pylori, using a breath test and a blood test to make sure there's no H. pylori going on. With, I also check the viruses and bacteria. I check uh, Epstein-Barr, uh, Yersinia, um, cytomegalovirus, herpes, mycoplasma, the whole work there. Now, we also check the, on males, we do a complete hormone panel. Their testosterone, their free and total testosterone, their progesterone, the PSA, we check their estradiol. This is a very important hormone to check in men. We know that high estradiol is known to be correlated with heart disease. Low estradiol is correlated with osteoporosis in men. We check their growth hormone levels. Okay? So we, as you can see, we certainly do a lot of tests, and sometimes I'll even add a leaky gut panel and, um, heavy metal uh, analysts, if uh, if I think it's indicated, but yeah, we do a lot of blood testing and just to get a baseline and make sure that we've covered all of our bases. And that That's probably awesome. gives you a pretty good picture, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> and that's just the blood. I mean, we also do other tests as well, uh, depending on their patient's ability to afford them. We do stool tests, we do leaky gut tests, we do small bacterial overgrowth tests, cortisol tests. So we have a wide range of, of testing available. However, I want to make this point. A glute clinician can basically get most of your diagnosis by a history, and I think we forget that. We rely on tests all the time. History, that, that gives me your answers. If you have five or six symptoms for adrenal fatigue, chances are you probably have adrenal fatigue. If you have you know, most of the symptoms for candida, yeast overgrowth, you probably have it. So history is very, very important. The test just may help me to confirm it and also help me maybe to guide me a little bit. But remember, the most important component is the history, asking the right questions. This is like Google. Ask the right questions, you're going to get the right answer. Right <laughs> answers. Mm, love, I that. love that. love <laughs> that. You know, you mentioned candida. Uh, question for you. Is it as common in men as women? Well, the men don't complain much about it. They probably have right. it, but they don't complain about it. And one of the reasons why we probably don't see it as much is one of the most common causes of candida in women is birth control pills, something you're not going to see in men, okay? So that's one other issue. Um, also, wow, I did not know that. Yes. There are three main contributors to candida, birth control pills, prednisone steroids, okay, and large use of antibiotics. So obviously in antibiotics, men and women are going to have a lot of that, but they're not going to have the birth control pills. And they're probably going to have less use of prednisone only because they get less autoimmune disease. 
okay? Although that's questionable because men may have other things that may cause them to use more prednisone, like asthma, for example. Right. But as mm-hmm. a rule, just not just not having to take birth control pills is going to reduce the amount of candida men are going to get, by definition. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is just... Yeah. So, and they, well, they have injuries, back injuries. You know, they probably seem more... I think men have a tendency to have more injuries, like back injuries and stuff like that, that they would get prednisone from. But not birth control. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. Well, you know what? For back injuries, you're going to be taking mostly um, pain rather than than, uh, than steroids. Steroids, yeah. Definitely. It seems like corticosteroid shots are an answer for everything now. I mean, you you Mm. rarely meet people anymore that haven't had, you know, a series or uh, it's crazy. The hard, the hard part is, is a lot of them still have pain. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's too bad. It's just too bad. I oh know. my goodness! I, I had like this question on the tip of my tongue as you were talking. I didn't want to interrupt you, and now whoosh, there it went. We can. There it goes. Bye-bye. There it goes. Oh, gut. Okay, so gut, gut across the board. There we go. It came back. A gut across the board, men and women. For people who, I mean, obviously, I'm sure that's that's part of your treatment plan, Dr. Bornstein, for for every thyroid patient. Oh, it sure is. What are some of your mandatory minimums? Are they are they supplements? Are they you know just you know these are the Lifestyle. things that you need to do. Recommendations for gut issues. Well, first of all, we have to identify what the gut issues are. Is this leaky gut? That's the especially with Hashimoto's autoimmune disorders. Is this a leaky gut? So what you need to do is a couple of ways we can do that. Now, most of my patients, when I see that they have Hashimoto's and a significant level of antibodies, one can make the assumption that they have leaky gut. Now, I've done testing on patients who have antibodies through the roof and their leaky gut comes back negative. I've had it come back positive. It doesn't matter to me. I treat this as this is leaky gut. So what we do is, obviously... We use all the techniques that we learn in integrative medical school for treating leaky gut, gluten-free diet, dairy-free diet, using supplements like L-glutamine, aloe, zinc. Um, I also like to work on improving digestion. And how do we do that? Probiotics is a very good way to do that. Digestive enzymes, Mm -hmm. stomach acid like betaine that helps improve the gut flora, okay? If we find the patient has candida, we can treat him for candida. And there are many supplements and medications we can use for that, berberine, garlic. Um, if we need to use Diflucan, we can also throw that into the loop. So we're, if the patient has small bacterial overgrowth, we can treat the small bacterial overgrowth. Um, we can use Zyfaxin, which is an antibiotic, and continue with uh, stomach acid, betaine, to make sure uh, it doesn't come back. So we have a lot of weapons and a lot of treatments to improve the glut flora. The most important thing is, and I want to stress this, is diet. I mean, we can supplement and medicate all we want. If we don't eat well, it's going to come right back. If we take birth control pills, the candida is going to come right back. This is a problem with my younger population. I can't control the candida because they're on birth control pills. I can put them on Diflucan for the rest of their lives. It's not going to fix the problem. Right, 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 so you're right. working under very limited and difficult parameters sometimes. Okay, Men, obviously, don't have that issue. But women, you certainly do. And um, we have to, you know, do the basics of fixing the gut. And great things happen if you fix the gut. Be surprised. Right. How many yeah. patients do you know? How many patients do you know just by cutting out gluten? All they do is cut out gluten and their life changes. One intervention. They don't take a supplement, nothing. I stop eating gluten, and I feel so much better. My life has changed. And then we all have a story like that. Whether it's gluten oh, sure. or not, because some people, you know, Tiffany's the same, Dr. Bornstein. I don't know if you're <laughs> using that rhetorically or what, but um, when <laughs> Tiffany eats gluten, her face blows up, and, she, you know, she can totally tell. If I have gluten, it's no different. I mean, that I can that I can disertain, you know, I just can't. I can't decide, I, you know, Bio that because I'm creepy or yeah, exactly right. So it We're doesn't make you love that. That's right. Love that. Absolutely. Does Epstein Barr affect men as much as women, Doctor Bornstein? Is that something that you see? 
Not as much, but it's definitely there. I mean, we evaluate for Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr, you have to be very careful in using that parameter because let me explain to you what I mean by that. We measure viruses, we measure titer levels. And most of the titer letters are IgM. These are previous infections. Right. And right. your doctor, your you know, regular allopathic doctor will tell you, oh, this is a previous infection. However, depending on the titer level, the higher the titer level, the more of a chance that this could be an acute infection. You just don't see it. So mm. I use my cutoff at 1 to 320. So if a patient of mine has Hashimoto's and their titer level is at 1 at 320 or 1 at 640 or 1 at 1280, this is most probably an active infection. And I use these proprietary um, drops from a company known as Byron White. They're out on the West Coast. And we use that to treat their their um, Epstein-Barr. If it's around 320 or less, then you have to, you know, make a judgment clinically if you want to treat this. Now, if you can improve the patient's sleeping habits and improving their immune system, the virus may be less troublesome. But in our stubborn Hashimoto's cases, looking at viruses, parasites, bacteria may provide some sort of answer to why the numbers don't come down. You treat them and, you know, hopefully the numbers come down. Hmm. Hey, so go, interesting. Tiff. Go ahead. Huh? Ask some good questions. <laughs> can, can you tell us more about the Say Byron it. White? Is that something that we need a prescription for? Or is so it something Bi- Byron, that we can... Byron White is a, is a proprietary company. They're based, a company. Like, yeah, they're based uh, in the West Coast. And you generally you get them from practitioners who are certified by the Byron White. That's the one that I yeah, use. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very good... Uh, they're just herbs. And you you escalate the dose. You start off at one drop twice a day in the mouth, and you and you um, increase it to about 15 drops twice a day. But you have to have someone who knows how to use the drops. How to do it, right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Byron White, I'll have to look that up and look for a, a practitioner here in California. <laughs> yeah, because, because you want to just say, because what are your titers, Tiff? Uh, my titers were close to 500, and my my physician is, of course, just a general, you know, conventional medicine, and and uh, you know says that the attack is no longer there, and I just, you know, I don't feel myself, and I know that that's a huge portion of it, and it's, uh, they they don't know, I I think they don't know conventional medicine. You tell me, Doctor Bourne, do they just not know what to do with Epstein Barr? No <laughs> regular. No. <laughs> MD, doc, could be super smart, but they look at you like you are smoking crack. Excuse mm-hmm. me. I mean, it's like. <laughs> I want to I tell you a little secret. Don't confuse a doctor being smart or a doctor knows what he's doing, okay? Because remember, they're very intelligent people, but they're educated in a certain way of treating you, okay? So they can be the smartest people. They can be university professors, chairman of departments. But if they're not versed in treating you right. in this particular way, they're not going to know. Right. They're not going. They're not going to know what to do with you. Okay. Matter of fact, one of the things that I treat in my practice is fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. Most doctors have no idea. I mean, historically, we've sent these patients to rheumatologists, but we know that fibromyalgia is not a rheumatological disease. Right. So, and these guys have absolutely no idea what to do. And they put them on Lyrica, they put them on medications for fibromyalgia. By the way, fibromyalgia didn't exist until a medication came out for it. As soon as a drug was approved for fibromyalgia, doctors started agreeing, oh, maybe there is fibromyalgia. So, this is a very interesting phenomenon I see in the medical <laughs> community, right? Interesting is a nice word. <laughs> No, it's true. A lot of doctors say it doesn't exist, doesn't exist. All of a sudden, a drug company comes out with a drug specifically for fibromyalgia. Right. Voila, it exists. Right. right. That's so annoying. Either that or, you know, they look at you like a woman and they're like, you, you just keep complaining, you know. You, you, you look healthy and, and you, do you need an antidepressant? I swear the next doctor that asks me, I'm going to punch him. I'm sorry. Just in case I go to jail, just so the two of you know, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of, let me tell you, this, and this goes back to the way medicine is taught, and this goes back to the way how health care is provided in, this, in, in, in the United States. Remember, 
you're coming into your doctor, he's either a primary care, maybe maybe the specialist, most of primary care, and he's got, what, eight minutes to spend with you? I got news for you. Eight minutes is not enough time to do the paperwork. You need <laughs> to sit down and speak to these patients for a lot longer than eight minutes to figure out what's going on. You have to be able to learn how to answer the right questions and able to interpret the blood work in a proper way. Your average doctor is going to look at these reference ranges. Well, if you ask him where to get the reference range from, you know what a reference range is? It's two standard deviations from the norm. That's what it is. Right. So technically, like, you know, Dr. Jacob Tuttlebaum uh, taught me, you know, what are the standard deviation of shoe sizes? I mean, it could be anywhere from <laughs> 6 to 12, right? But a size, a person wearing a size 12 shoe is not going to fit in a size 6. But we're all within normal range, right? B12 is my favorite. That's one hell of a range right there. I mean, that's like, that's like saying here to China. You know what I mean? Oh, you're close. Well, one thing about B12 is a lot, of, a lot of people say your B12 is too high, and you have to explain to them that, you know, that number one is if you have elevated B12, you got to look and you're not taking it. Well, you got to check for methylation pathways. But even if you are taking it, it's not a toxic thing to take. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, so that's the problem with, with, with what we call high or low. So, I mean, our reference ranges are a little bit, a little bit off. They need to be improved. Tell us a little bit about methylation. I, I know you, you mentioned it just kind of in passing, the MTHFR. You know, there are so many people are like scratching their head, you know, and, and what do you do with that? Well, here's the thing. So you test for it. Right. Right. What do they do with it once you have that information? Well, what you need to do is when you have the MTHFR, you have to find out which genes are affected. Okay. It's, a lot, it's getting more and more complicated. A lot right. of people still don't understand it. Even when I first started, I used to say, oh, homocysteine levels are normal. You have nothing to worry about. But we know that's not true, okay, because more and more information comes out every day. So these are methylation pathways. You know, the gene basically is the gene for the enzyme production. You have lower enzyme production. You've got to make sure your B12 is good. Don't take folic acid. Make sure that you have methylated forms of, the, of B12 and, and methylfolate. Fixing up your gut. That's why I give a supplement that has trimethylglycine to help with the gut a little bit. So if we can improve methylation pathways by fixing up the gut and giving the proper nutrients, we can try to alleviate some of the issues that this uh, gene can cause. And this includes high homocysteine. It can cause, you know, uh, clots, infertility. There are a lot of women out there who probably can't get pregnant because they have this gene. And you have to, and this gene, you know, remember, a placenta, blood vessels to a placenta, very, very tiny. So you got you got, you got to use all of them. You got to make sure the whole thing is open. So that's why we have to 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 look and 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 um, and see if the patient has this positive MTHFR. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking that everybody should just get in line and knock on your door. And knock on your door. <laughs> You're welcome to come to New York. You know, I am coming to New York. <laughs> We're sending all the guys to you too. I um, actually have a friend, patient uh, Sebastian. He's a frequent listener of the show, and he sent me some of uh, his questions, which we've already asked you. And uh, he said you're only ten blocks from him, so you'll be expecting be expecting a, a new patient pretty soon. He's really excited about it. Sebastian, come on in. Welcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, okay. That's well, awesome. Um, before we let you go, I want to just I want to get just a couple things, you know, like what's your what is your main advice or um you know, what would you say are the three biggest symptoms that, you know, if if you have these, if you're men, you know, you need to get checked out. And if so, you know, what's something you can do at home, you know, besides your gut, your gut? What are your three or four main things that you would say to these guys? Well, first of all, the most important thing is you need a diagnosis need to know what's going on because this could be many different things. Fatigue has such a huge differential diagnosis that you have to get this evaluated, okay? And also, um, the best thing you can do is, is go to someone who can test you and test for these things and get the comprehensive blood tests and have Properly someone yeah, and, just, and have them evaluate him or her, evaluate you and start working to correct a lot of these issues. If you don't get tested, you're not going to know. And if you don't go to someone who knows, 
you're not going to um, find, out. find out what's going on. So the main advice is be your own advocate, okay, because no one's going to advocate for you. No one's yeah. going to advocate for you. You have to be your own advocate. You have to learn, do your own research, okay, and go to someone who has a good reputation in your community. And there are many websites that talk about different physicians throughout the United States and in different countries that uh, many people have gone to and they're very happy with. Find one nearby or not nearby if you need to and and go to them and you know and get yourself evaluated. Is there an okay. age, Dr. Bornstein real quick? You know, uh, women it's you know very premenopausal, you know, 40s like that magic number. <laughs> For men, do you normally or is it just I mean obviously symptoms would, you know, you want to go to the doctor, but is there a, an age for men? Does it come at when they start, you know, working out, when they hit their midlife crisis, or is there an age for men? Well, usually the main cutoff, you know, usually men start to decline after 40, and they really start declining after 50, okay? So I don't think there's really a cutoff, but you're going to see a lot more people are going to present this way after 50. After 50 for men. Yeah, okay. prevent, yeah 50 is like the, the, the big number, okay? That's the big number, although it's getting younger and younger and younger. Hmm. Um, I've seen, you know, kids in their, in their 20s with low testosterone. I've seen kids, I've seen, I've seen teenagers with low testosterone. I've seen wow. teenagers with low thyroid. So you have to look, you have to evaluate. But a lot of the issues are becoming a lot more uh, presenting to us at a much earlier age than they used to. And that can be due Any to our, 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 our environment, <laughs> our environment, our food. Heavy metals, lack of sleep. You know, we're sleeping a lot less than our grandparents did. Right. Mm-hmm. Our grandparents slept nine hours. Our parents slept eight. We're sleeping what seven and a half to seven, seven to seven and a half now. Right, and they're more sedentary, too. I mean, even even sedentary. my children are much more sedentary than you know. I was always outside roller skating and you know whatever. They're you know they like the indoor video games. <laughs> Most kids don't you know unless they do sports which I'm grateful mine do, you know, it's a, it's an indoor sedentary. No, that's, that's a bad recipe. We have a sedentary lifestyle. We have, um, um, worse. The food is not as good. So, right. Right. Our soil is not as good. Our soil is not as good. Yes, that's right. That's true. We could just go on and on. (laughs) We won't, because then you know all depressed for the rest of the day. This is a happy, wonderful show that you shared some fantastic information with us. I mean, you know the whole um, birth control and candida. I don't know if it's been said before, but it didn't stick to the old ticker up here, so it stuck <laughs> That's today. A for a pandemic. <laughs> no, it's definitely. Well, also you got to be careful too, because remember when you take birth control pills. This is something I want to. Add on, when you take birth control pills, what that does is it changes your sex hormone bonding globulin, and that could affect your thyroid levels as well in a negative way. Wow. So you have to look at that as well. When, you know, thyroid levels change during pregnancy, they change when you're taking a lot of estrogen. So these are things you have to look for. Adrenal fatigue, as long as, long as we're just going to catch it before you, before you go. Adrenal fatigue, is that something that affects men uh, equally as much as women? It affects men a lot, yeah. It definitely wow. does. Um, the adrenal fatigue that I see here in my practice, you know, I have a lot of Wall Streeters coming in. Right, right. Now, these people are extremely burnt out, okay, because Wall Street is a very stressful job, and they burn out at a very early age. High-tech People, people, startups, burn out at early age. Low cortisol, what does that do to thyroid conversion? Re, redu- it, 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 right. it makes thyroid conversion more difficult. So we see now a pattern. Our lifestyle, our diet, drinking a lot of coffee, reduce, causing adrenal fatigue, causing cortisol levels to change, causing thyroid conversion issues, causing more thyroid problems, all linked God, and all these, uh, you know, stimulants, all these energy drinks, and, oh. you know, it, it's like it's like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. <laughs> it's not going to work for long. Well, oh if, you, if you've if seen this, the medical system here in the United States, that's a lot of it how it is. It's all Band-Aid issues. 
Um, And every one of our patients who has a lot of these symptoms are basically either dismissed or given an antidepressant. Well, we love the fact that you are changing medicine every patient, and um, I wish everybody could have the opportunity to see a doctor as comprehensive uh, as you because patients are frustrated. They're frustrated, and they don't realize, I don't understand why their doctor can't wrap their head around, you know, they just tell you, stay off, stay off Google, you know. Let me do my job, stay off Google. (laughs) (laughs) If you were doing your job, I wouldn't be on Google. (laughs) So we really appreciate we appreciate you so much, and we appreciate you very much for taking the time with us today. Thank you, my pleasure. Oh, so fabulous! Thank you so much, Dr. Bornstein. This was this was a great show. We really my appreciate pleasure. it. Nice to talk great. to you. Thank you again. Thank you, thank you. We'll tell everybody where to find you. Anything new on the horizon? Anything we should be watching, Dr. Bornstein, for amazing things? More on stem cells, or well, yes, anything new and exciting? We're doing a lot more work with stem cells, um, especially in, in the orthopedic and autoimmune conditions. So um, I'm treating a lot more patients now with a lot of autoimmune, autoimmune disease, and hopefully in about a year or two we'll publish some of the uh, the work that we're doing. Oh, fabulous. Great. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm going to say it. Are you ready? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> he just made my, my top list of clonable doctors. I know. <laughs> I know. Did you hear that testing? I mean, it was like just check, 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 check. I mean, that's that's awesome. I know. Awesome. He is a clonable MD. I love it. And I mean that in the nicest way. Not in a, I know. Not in a <laughs> But that was just that was just amazing. I know. I mean, we heard some new stuff in there. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, amazing. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm just you know we don't ever pause as much as we used to for our flower-filled moments, but I still need them because I have to like <laughs> sit there and go, yeah, <laughs> wow, you're right. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, and just you know, so many of the things that are you know out there for conventional medicine. You know, he had a very quick and thorough response to it. I I just love it. I wish everybody, that is my goal for the future, that everybody has a physician like that. Our lives would be so much different. People with chronic illness, it would be so much different. So we are so incredibly grateful for everything that Dr. Borenstein does and stays on top of and the fact that he actually listens to his patients and considers that a paramount thing to do. We're just very, very grateful um, for him setting the medical model. That's what doctors should all be like. So you can, of course, find all things Dr. David Borenstein at www.davidborenstein, just like it sounds, B-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-M-D.com. And amazing. Yeah, he was great. He had so much information, and we we got through it, and that was wonderful. I mean, okay, Sebastian, there you go. That's your information from an amazing doc. We hope you enjoyed the show. I know that um, a lot of the questions that you asked, we, I mean, that you sent me, we asked. So if you have any more, you're going to have to go see him in person. Well, and I love the fact that we're, we're a little bit different, but really not so much. You know what I mean? You heard a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities there, so... You know, um, I think that's really important. And if you're uh, a wife or a partner or, and you have, they have all the symptoms, get them in there, get them tested, right? Because a lot of those are, I don't want to say easy fixes, but they're a lot better than, than suffering, you know? Oh, son. You know, a son, a brother-in-law, an uncle. You Anybody, know? I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. I was having some trouble there for a minute. A child, <laughs> yeah. a male child that has, you know, uh, get him in there. Because yeah. most men will say, I'm fine, I'm mm-hmm. fine. Did your, does your husband say that? Oh, my God, yeah, he's terrible. He needs to. <laughs> I finally got him to agree to do blood work. I'm like, my gosh, you know, you're only really? 50. 
He's 50 he years old. Yeah, he did. He agreed to go get it done. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. What was that? Heavens. <laughs> that was so interesting. No idea what that was. Like um, a carnival ride. It was like a carnival ride or something. That was bizarre. That was um, bizarre. Okay. Well, let's see. Um Next week, I believe we're talking with Dr. Amy Myers. Finally, we had to reschedule because she was on, you know, a couple different TV shows every time that we were, she was supposed to be on our show. We will be oh, recording it on a different day. And if something happens, of course, check back and we'll let you know. We always let everybody know in the Hotchies and Facebook group um, on Facebook who the next guest is. And so if, you'll, um, if you have any questions, you can check that page. But hopefully we'll have uh, Dr. Amy Myers on. So that's going to be great. That's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes, we have, we've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Waiting and waiting. So do yep. you have anything new on the horizon? I do. Hint. hint. <laughs> do tell. Because it's those wonderful. Of you, for those of you who want to expand your healing toolkit beyond diet um, and, you know, nutrition and all the important things that we're learning, um, my great friend, um, new great friend and I, Alana Kaivalia, have started a Facebook group and a website and a course called Thyroid Healing Yoga. So uh, you got to check it out. It's really fun. It's really neat. It's really good for you. All levels, sitting in your bed. You, it's not, and it's not all about postures. It's not all about doing like a workout. There's lots right, of mind-body right. connection. There's lots of throat chakra um, work and, and you know, looking in inside and, and just kind of taking notice of everything. And, and so, you know, it's just a check-in for you. So, you know, yoga kind of encompasses a lot of things. So check out our group. Check out our page. It's actually thyroidhealing.yoga. So we're a dot .yoga instead of a dot .com. So we thought that would be kind of neat. So thyroidhealing.yoga. So that's kind of cool. Yep. We have a Facebook group. <laughs> ThyroidHealing.Yoga. Uh, Thyroid Healing Yoga is on Facebook, and we have a new course that you have to check out. It's just jam-packed with stuff, and we're going to keep adding to it. And um, if, you, if you buy into the course right now, you're a lifetime member. You get all the upgrades, which we'll be adding to. But it's got lots of great content in it. She is a wonder and amazing, and she's written several books. She's going to be on the show in a couple weeks. <clears throat> and we're really excited to bring it to you, so check it out. And like you said, quick tips, you know, so it's quick not tips. like you have to pull out your yoga mat and, and take no. an hour. I love the fact no. that there's quick tips, like, to help. Yeah. So and you don't even have to you. pull out your yoga mat for, for most of it. I mean, a lot right. of it's, you know, sitting in your chair, you know, if you need to, or in your bed, or at the kitchen table, you know, um, because everybody is busy. So that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make it very accessible and very easy for everybody. And this is all online. So you're not going to a class. You don't need new clothes. You just need to uh, to check it out, and uh, you can do it wherever you are. At a friend's house, if you go right. on vacation, you know there's lots of different there's lots of different tools in there. So you just you check it out. We'd be grateful, and it will help um, help you on your healing journey as well. Woot woot. And of course, be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can do your Speak Your Truth roll on while you're doing your thyroid exercises. <laughs> You can. You can. <laughs> Enjoy. I know, right? I mean, I, I love the, the videos. Uh, you know me. I'm a short video person. I love that. I, know. I love those, I know. like, quick snippets. And anyways, uh, uh, products like Brain Awake Inhaler, Miss Me, there's skincare. There's wonderful things for your thyroid chakra. Uh, just all kinds of goodies. Be sure to check them out, Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. That's right. And thank you, as always, to our listeners. We do this for you because of you, and uh, we we love doing the show. It's been two years. I can't believe it. And we, we want to thank you for listening. So also, if you have a free moment, we'd love to have a review on iTunes. So hop on over. You can also check out ThyroidNation.com and go to the radio page. You can click automatically, and it will take you to the comments. And if you could just leave us a review, we can... Uh, we can try to implement some of the things that you, some suggestions and ideas that you might have. We'd love to have your review. Make it better. Yeah, absolutely. 
Of course, most importantly, Dana and I always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Things change. Stress changes, food changes, you know, marriages, divorce, good things, bad things, everything. It can affects your body and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Please make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you because you are beautifully unique. Beautifully designed, and your body does talk to you, so just listen. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringatika from Colorado Springs. And Tiffany Maladnich. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. Bye. Great show. <laughs>